Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, hi. My name is Debbie. I am a compulsive overeater. I'm a binge eater, um, a restrictor. Um, I am like whatever possible eating disordered eating there is, I have been at some time or another in my life. So I'm going to, I avoided doing this for five years. Um, so I'll start and tell you a little bit about my background and who I am and how I came to be. I was born 70 years ago in New York City, and that's not the total reason for why I have an eating disorder. Maybe partially, but okay. Um, my earliest, earliest food memories are of chocolate. I have very early childhood memories. I have pre-speech memories, but my earliest food memories are of eating chocolate, um, being at my grandmother's and getting to lick the bowl and the spoon after she was baking a cake at a very early age. Um, being out in the country at my summer home and being given chocolate lollipops by some person who had a house out there who had chocolate lollipops and brought them every year. Um, yeah. Uh, so I had a lot, a lot, a lot of fears as a kid. I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of all kinds of things and somewhere Pretty early on, I realized that eating could alleviate the fears a little bit, could somehow calm me down a little bit. So I never had any issues with weight until fairly late, late in life. I was very, very average. Um, when I was about 11 and I was going to sleepaway camp for the first time, my mom bought me a new two-piece bathing suit. It was my first two-piece bathing suit. And that's when she or my dad said to me when I tried it on, and I loved it. It was beautiful, horizontal stripes, bright colors. I still remember the stupid bathing suit. And I tried it on and I thought it was fabulous. And I was told to suck in my stomach. So that's my earliest, hmm, something's off here. And... I noticed and that summer, they started sticking things in their letters like, are you watching what you eat? Um, so I'd say 11 was the age when I was made clear that whatever body I had was somehow not good enough. And my parents were perfectionists. And, you know, everything had to be, you had to be the best at everything. Um, I was their smart little musical daughter and I had to perform for people. And my parents were, I was, I had a very privileged upbringing. We lived in, in New York in the theater district and saw everything that ever came out. My parents had to me normal, normal weekends were being left with the babysitter and my parents in black tie. So, 
my mother and father were tall and slender. At some point before puberty, um, I realized, or they realized, that I did not have the body structure that my mom had. I was not going to wind up looking looking like her. And they made it really clear to me that I was going to have to work really hard to try to remedy that as, um, as I got older, which is really impossible. I mean, her bone structure was half the size of mine. She had tiny little wrists and whatever. But it was, it was just knowing that once again, there was something about me that was just not ever going to be good enough. So if I wasn't the first in my class or athletically, I never had any talent whatsoever. So that was pretty useless. And they realized that pretty quickly. Luckily it didn't come much into play in living in the city, but um, so I realized that um, things were just not going well. And my very first allowance, and I don't know how old I was, but I know I was under 10. I remember going to the corner store and getting hostess chocolate cupcakes. And I remember even at that age that I had to sneak eat them because certainly couldn't come home with them. I, we didn't have things like that for dessert in the house. So I started sneak eating very, very young. And sometimes I didn't do it that effectively. I hid wrappers under my bed that were found and things like that and would get yelled at and my drawers would be dumped looking to see if there was any hidden food or, or whatever. Anyway, life, life went on. And somehow with, with my sneak eating, my weight was still totally normal. I look back at pictures of myself in my teen, all the way through high school. It's like, I was just totally average weight. I wasn't any different than any of my friends, you know, or anybody else I saw, but I felt like I was. And the very first time I started really gaining weight was um, in my late teens, my mom got cancer and there was no way to deal with that anxiety except to eat. And I also became a cutter, which is a whole nother story, but I'll leave that alone. So I ate and I cut. And in retrospect, because I was writing notes for speaking today and thinking back on it and what was going on, you know, in my memory, I was like morbidly obese by the time my mother died, but she died in 69. And I went to Woodstock that summer and somehow, which, which only is relevant in terms of, I wasn't fat. So how could I have been morbidly obese in April of that year and yet looked like everybody else in, in August. So I have had a distortion thing as long as I remember. Um, it got really, really bad in my late 20s for some reason. Um, I discovered that the thinner I got, the more childlike I could become and be perceived as. And I wound up somehow getting to a point, mostly binge fasting of getting close to, down to close to hundred pounds and was hospitalized. So I have many, I'm 70, I have many, many years of disordered eating. And I've been, I would say I've been 
relatively healthy since I had kids. There was something about having, having a kid that it was no longer just doing for me. So I hadn't, I didn't have the, op I mean, I never cut again after I had my, my first kid. I never did anything total, well, no, no, no. Did some crazy stuff, but not like seriously crazy stuff and not enough to get thrown into a hospital anywhere. So somehow having kids was my way of being able to take myself out of it just, just being about me. And the years of that really, really bad eating were horrible. When I was really too thin, my thinking was about food 24 seven. That's all I could focus on. I don't even know how I kept the job. I mean, every, every that was the running, running thought. It was totally obsessive and painful. So I got, I got past that. And I realized after my kids were starting to get older and need me a little less that I kind of went back into a binge eating, you know, a sugar addictive, not that I ever totally left it. So my way of find, my, finding my way to OA was I've tried every single food plan out there. I have paid ridiculous amounts of money to try these drops, this pin in the ear, this whatever it is, um, every commercial thing that's ever been out there, I've tried. I went to a doctor because I decided I wanted to have some sort of surgery and was told I'd have to gain like 40 pounds considered trying to do that so that I could have um, surgery, but didn't think I could pull that off. And five years ago, I was sitting in my apartment in New Jersey and I had just recently gained back the last time I had lost all the weight. And, and when I got to my quote goal weight, I thought, how long is it going to last? It was never like, okay, I'm there. It's done. It was just like, how long this time? And it was really depressing that, that I knew the cycle was going to continue. So I considered, I considered like just jumping off my rope. Well, my kids are, my kids are grown. They'll be fine without me at this point. And I was on the computer and scrolling around and I saw, thanks. Thanks, Jack. I saw an OA meeting and I thought, I think I might've tried one of those like 25 years ago when it was like all this religious stuff, like people saying Christian prayers that I didn't know and blah, 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 blah. And just ran away from that. But I mean, it was trying to bargain with myself. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. So I thought, okay, well, where is it? And it turned out that there was a meeting the next morning, 10 o'clock the next morning at less than half a mile from my house. So I decided, okay, I will, I will go. I'll just go. I mean, if I can't do, if I can't get through it, I'm sorry. Let me just turn that off. Thought I turned my phone off. Um, if I can't do it, if I can't stand it, then I'll deal with whatever the next, the next thing is going to be. And I went to this OA meeting in my local hospital, and it was like amazing. A light went off. People were talking about, about food. I mean, I just went to the right meeting too, because there was someone talking about binge eating and pulling food out of the garbage. It's like, oh my God, somebody has not only did that, which, which I've done, but they're actually talking about it out loud. So I knew I was home. I knew that this was where I belonged. 
So I feel like OA has definitely saved my life. It's taken me forever to, my program is, is so far from perfect. It's unbelievable. I do not have perfect abstinence and I never will. And the one thing in this past year that I've come to realize and accept about myself is that that's okay. But it's taken me the first four years to realize, okay, there are people who get, they go off sugar like the first month and that's it. And they're here 35 years later. It's like, oh, it's okay that I am not perfect. It's okay because even when I've lost it and gotten back into the food for a day or two, program's still with me. I've worked the steps twice now and who I am is not the same person that I was before OA. I'm a nicer person because I'm not so angry anymore. Um, I'm way less judgmental. Um, I don't know what other nice things I could say, but anyway. Um, so I'm supposed to talk about step four a little bit. I didn't even attempt the steps for my first year and a half in program because I looked at step four and I thought, oh, no, I don't think so. The other steps didn't even throw me, but like a fearsome, a fierce moral inventory for real. I mean, isn't 30 years of therapy enough to like bypass that one step? But no. So I eventually did it. And it was pretty cathartic because the first part of it for me, writing down resentments, I realized I blame myself for every single thing that happened. So I'm supposed to write resentments I feel about this, that, or the other thing. The boss that grabbed my ass and, you know, I'm old. So believe me, this is way before any kind of behavior was expected in the, works, in the workplace. Um, I still blame myself. I blame myself for everything that I could even try to imagine putting on the resentment list. So working through the resentments and working through my fears, I, and I also added a, a column for shame because I had so much self-shame. Um, it was, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I am not, well, I'm really not good at speaking, but I'm not good at being able to summarize things. And I don't know how to say for anybody that doesn't know what working step four is like that make have it make sense so that it's really worthwhile and helpful for other people. But just following the basic outline and doing the writing, lots and lots of writing, which I don't like doing, has really helped me work through so much. Um, and working the steps in general has gotten me to a point of self-understanding that is, I never ever thought that I would, where I, that I would get to. Um, so I don't know how to sum up everything. I'm, let me look at my notes and see if I have anything of interest more that I, okay. So I don't expect to be perfect at anything anymore. Oh, and I can't control everything in my life. And Five. oh, yay. I got through 15 minutes of talking. 
That's really, that's incredible. I don't get to a three minute buzzer. I would stop early. Um, wait, let me see what else I can say. I'm going, I, I'm just making this, it has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about, but I'm going to my daughter's wedding in a week and a half. And I'm actually going to it. And I decided this week, I'm really anxious about it, but I decided this week that rather than do my usual, I'll get through it, it'll be four days, it'll be over, I'm an introvert, I don't like being anywhere, I'm gonna experience it. So that's like a big step for me. So I am planning on really experiencing this in a very positive way. Anyway, that's all I've got to say for today. So I hope that's enough and thanks for listening.